Hi everyone, it's Carrie Beach and welcome to the Traveling Pony Podcast. Before we jump into this week's podcast episode, make certain to follow the show and leave a review if you happen to have some time or just rate us. It does so much and you guys don't even realize that. And two, I also love to see how many people are supporting me and it makes me feel all happy and giddy inside. So I'm super excited for this week's podcast guests because if you personally know me, you would know that I am obsessed with this brand. It's an understatement. (laughs) I have so many pairs of shirts and just all this type stuff from them. So when I got the opportunity to sit down and talk with Hannah, I was just beside myself. I was so happy. So this week's podcast guest is Hannah Childs. Hannah Childs runs the Hannah Childs lifestyle business and you can find her if you're a Georgia person, you can find her at shops like Atlanta Saturday, but she's also branching out elsewhere. So I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. And we talk a little bit about what got her into designing clothing, as well as some things she's learned along the way, running a business and doing all that fun stuff. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come onto the Traveling Pony podcast. I, for one, am so excited to have this opportunity to talk to you today because anybody who knows me knows that I am obsessed with your brand, so I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you. So for the first question, for anybody who doesn't know you, who are you and where are you currently based out of? I am Hannah Childs, and I'm the founder and designer at Hannah Childs Lifestyle. I currently reside in Santa Barbara, California, which is where I'm born and raised and have spent most of my life. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Like I said, I am probably one of your biggest fans around this area. (laughs) So for anybody who knows me, they know I'm obsessed with your brand. Like, I pretty much have most of your shirts and everything. (laughs) I When I go to horse shows, I actually have outfits that are specifically picked out for certain days of the horse show. So like Saturday is my pink day. (laughs) (laughs) I have my pink hat. I have my pink shirt. And then, you know, Sunday, I usually wear something blue or with the weather getting colder, I have most of your sweaters. (laughs) Yay, I love it. Oh, yeah. It's to the point that I shop mainly at Elena Saudery in this area. And literally, they point me in the direction when I first come in. But I could totally walk into that store with my eyes closed and be like, I know exactly where to go. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit about what got you into the idea of creating a brand, specifically clothing for equestrians. Yeah, I, so it's kind of takes me back to uh, high school, actually. I was watching Project Runway for the first time with my mom. We had usually like one or two nights a week where we'd watch Gilmore Girls and then Project Runway came on and that became another night. And that kind of just became our thing every week. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if it was the first or second episode that I saw, but something in me was sparked. And I just looked at my mom and I said, that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't know why. I've always been very creative. I've always been an entrepreneur from a young age of, you know, 
lemonade stands to gemstone jewelry <laughs> to I had a gourmet gluten-free baking business in high school. So oh, wow. that was sort of my spirit. And then I saw I saw the fashion design and and I was like, that's that's I don't know why, but that's it. And so I found the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles and applied there at 16. Okay. Well, I was in high school and part of my application just required a, you know, an essay to talk about what we love to do, what was inspiring to us. And without really having a conscious awareness of it, what I wrote in the essay was my dream is to have an equestrian brand that makes all women feel beautiful. And so that dream was sort of sparked inside of me at 16. And I went on to work uh, corporate design jobs for a few years. And then around, let's see, probably when I was about 24, I had a friend who was looking for a new stock tie. Okay. And I, I was a, not a seamstress, but I sewed. And I was a designer. And so she she said, I would love if you could make me a, a new stock tie. And so we went down to Mood Fabrics in LA and found this beautiful silk brocade. And I made her a stock tie. And then other people started asking her about the stock tie. And she said to me, she said, I think you should sell these. And so I started, I made a, a pattern and I started hand sewing them myself. And Style Stock, which was my first brand, was born. Okay. So that was a stock tie brand. And so I did that for a few years and ended up getting into about 60 retailers. Wow. And, you know, moved from making them all myself because that was not sustainable to I had a, a full a seamstress that made all of them and then ultimately moved it to a factory here locally in California. And so that was sort of my first entry into brand, which was back to your original question, but it, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of tell the build up story because it, it wasn't just as simple as waking up one day and being like, Hmm, I think I'll have a brand. It, it was a full on build up, And then with style stock, I about, let's see, five years ago, I, I have a lot, I have dreams that happen. And then I wake up and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm supposed to do that because that happened Like it was just a very clear directive in my dream. That's just some sort of how I take guidance. And I had this dream and I woke up and I went and said to my mom, I had this dream about this uh, women's equestrian clothing brand that is basically street to stable. So she can wear the clothes to ride and then walk out of the barn into everyday life and not look like she just went riding. And because I uh, I move through life, um, how would I say, listening to synchronicities, if you will. The next week, I went to Wellington uh, for work, and this woman came in, and she was looking at my stock ties, and I had belts at that time for style stock. And we just started talking, and she said, oh, I have a blog that highlights uh, female entrepreneurs that are in the equestrian business. And we just got to talking and they said, what's it called? And she said, it's called street to stable. And I was like, uh, really? Cause that's exactly what I just heard. Not name wise for my brand, but that was, that was exactly the, the verbiage. And I hadn't heard that at that point. It wasn't a common phrase. I feel like now it's, Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's a little bit more frequent that you hear that saddle to street, you know, that kind of thing. Definitely. And so I just took that as a big fat sign (laughs) to go (laughs) for it. And I was, I, yeah, I just had sample, like I had the full line, I designed full line and had samples made and was at the trade show by August. Wow. So it was, if sort of, you know, divinely choreographed, if you will, it wasn't as much of a conscious thought process of creating a brand as much as something inside of me and something externally was helping me navigate that. Definitely. Wow, that's amazing. I'm kind of the same way. (laughs) I like if something comes up to me in a dream, and I'm like, I think that, you know, maybe this is meant to be and it sounds like for you that I was so that's great. So did you have horses growing up? Like what kind of pointed you towards the equestrian side of it? Yeah, so again, taking you back into childhood, which is where everything stems (laughs) from, doesn't it? I went to so my mom helped start this elementary, started as elementary, then it went to elementary, junior high, but it was kind of an alternative Montessori type school. Okay. And so it was called charter school. And before students started each grade, they went in and had a parent teacher student meeting before the year started just to kind of get the teacher and the student familiar with each other. So I was five and before kindergarten, we went into to do the the meeting and I was very very shy as a as a child my mom always said that you know I I would meet someone new and tears would just well up in my eyes and I just couldn't (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't do it and so we went into the meeting and it sounds like I was pretty shy and the teacher asked me what I did for fun and I said oh I ride horses and my mom and dad looked at each other we're like what you know, she's been on a pony at the fair one time. And apparently I rode horses. So my mom had a friend who taught riding lessons. And so she said, Hey, can you get Anna on a horse? And I think there's something there. She wants to try it and never looked back. So started when I was five and then got my horse when I was 12, who is now 28. And I competed him upper level eventing all through high school. And then Stopped competing when I started design school in college and Mm -hmm. still have him 10 minutes away and see him twice a day. So yeah, it's kind of a, again, full circle. Definitely. I know it's so funny how many people you talk to and it's like, oh, you know, I started doing the horses when I was like four or something. And now however many years later, we're still doing it. We're still horse obsessed. Like, (laughs) yeah, we're hooked. (laughs) It never leaves once you get that first taste. Like, I swear it could be like the worst drug in the world if you wanted to say. (laughs) See, and I think it's the best drug in the world because I've got, you know, I've got friends now who are starting to become parents and Mm -hmm. they're like, should I get my kid into riding? It's so expensive. And I'm like, well, you know, I hear you on the, on the money piece. It's expensive. But it's invaluable. I, I look at what I was able to learn and to participate in, especially where I was able to grow up riding, which was a full-on riding school. I, I wasn't at a barn that was a show facility. And so we got to ride. You know, there was 40 school horses or something like that. Wow. And a full-on you – you show up every day for your lesson. You don't know what horse you have. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing barn chores. You're – I worked at the barn 
starting at, I don't know, age seven or eight to help pay for my lessons, <laughs> yes. you know, mucking stalls and grooming horses. So I just feel like it's a beautiful opportunity to to learn responsibility and communication and you know, navigating different types of relationships with people of all different ages. And yeah, I just think it's uh, it's amazing. Definitely. No, I got into writing when I was younger, mainly because my brother is autistic. Oh. And so we got into it because of the hippotherapy. And that was just such an amazing thing for him because you know, growing up, if you have some of those disabilities, it was so hard to express himself. And, you know, being around horses kind of made him have to learn how to also be a little bit more gentle and control his emotions. So that's how I got into it. So I totally, I totally agree. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. I see kids come in all the time. And being around horses definitely makes you have to kind of step back and be like, okay, you can't react this way. Like you can't get mad for whatever reason, because something small happens, like you have to dial in your emotions, learn how to control yourself, all of those things. Yeah. And on the alternative flip side for someone like me as a child who was so shy, Mm -hmm. it really gave me a space to build confidence and trust. Definitely. As opposed to, you know, of course, everyone's different. So what we all need to learn is different. But I think I came out of, of riding with a very strong sense of self and self-knowing mm-hmm. and self-trust that I don't think would be there if I didn't have the opportunity to spend that much time at the barn with friends and with all the horses and other animals. Definitely. No, it's amazing what they can do for you. So what do you find is one of the most challenging aspects of designing clothing that is meant to be worn while riding? And like you said before, also something that you can turn around and go wear to an outside event or something. Hmm, I don't know that I'd say I think designing clothes for riding is challenging. I think the most challenging thing is designing clothes that don't look like everything else on the market. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because equestrian... Equestrian clothes, a lot of them look very similar. If you look across brands, it's sort of sometimes hard to distinguish a brand, which is why I was giggling so much at the beginning when you said, I can walk into a store and spot your brand. And I do feel like that's true. And I get that a lot. People always say it's it's so feminine. It has, it has a distinct look, mm-hmm. whether it's from the colors that I pick or the prints or just the styling and the way I try to add small feminine details. Yes. So I don't think I'd say designing for for riding is challenging. I think the the most important thing to me is the way that it feels. Mm-hmm. Of course, looks are important, but my aim from the beginning was I wanted the clothes to feel like pajamas and then not look like pajamas. And so materials are my number one thing. If you if you talk to the people at my factories, they'll tell you I'll be like, "No, not that. <laughs> not that." Okay, yes, I love this. So I, it has to feel luxurious and like delicious against the skin. And and then secondly, I'm always thinking about how is this going to translate from riding into everyday life? So mm-hmm. if she's wearing a shirt that's a, a quarter zip, that's not normally a type of shirt that I personally would wear out into everyday life. And so I think about, okay, where does the zipper end so that if she wants to fully unzip it for a little bit more 
exposure on the neck when she leaves the barn? And then how is she going to layer it and style it? So that's really more what I'm thinking about while incorporating all of the technical materials, you know, moisture wicking, UPF, washability, wearability. And so I think that's more how I go about designing it for my brand. Okay, no, that is so funny that you say that about the clothing and the material and everything, because I know that personally, and I know a lot of other people, certain things, I have super sensitive skin, I have Oh gosh, I'm going to say it totally wrong, but Eskimo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. say it so wrong, but I have that. And so for me, like certain materials totally will make me break out in rashes. It hurts my skin. Like it just hurts so bad wearing them. And that's one of the things I think I realized when I first tried one of your pieces of clothing was it was like, it's so soft. <laughs> it doesn't cause my skin to break out or have any issues. And that's something that I think is hard to find because some other clothing I brands I've tried for the equestrian stuff, some of them, I don't know, I think we get so focused maybe on like the wicking stuff that then the material just doesn't really, my skin doesn't like it. So I truly 100% appreciate your dedication towards trying to find materials that work because I know from my side of it, it has made a world of difference. Oh, thank you for telling me that. And I think also part of it comes down to the weight of the material. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you about technical materials. A lot of them, they just don't feel that good. (laughs) And that's just the reality. I mean, I'll go to a material fair and I just, ugh, (laughs) you know, like grimacing the whole time. But the right weight. And so I do, for the most part, you'll see that majority of our especially our tech tops are a little bit lighter weight than what maybe you'll find Mm -hmm. elsewhere but you're still getting the same coverage and so for me I really don't think you need something that's that heavy and you can still it can still be flattering and it can still you know not hug you in places you don't want want to be hugged but Mm -hmm. having it a little bit lighter weight and super super soft is one of my top priorities definitely and I've got to say I appreciate also the fact, so like I said, I have a vast majority of your shirts, like to the point where that black and white, almost like checkerboard one, I Mm -hmm. have it in four different styles. (laughs) I have the polo, I have the long sleeve, I have the long sleeve with the collared, I have the short sleeve. (laughs) So I have, I have, I feel like almost every version of that shirt, but I have to say that I appreciate the fact that you also have such a wide variety of shirts that don't have collars. I think for me, like, since I do have the sensitive skin, a lot of times I see a lot of these brands that have, you know, the zip up with a collar and it just rubs my skin so mm-hmm. much versus like a majority of yours that I have right now, they don't have a collar and they're super flattering though still. And they, like you said, they fit you great. They aren't heavy. None of that type stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think part of that is that, fashion is changing. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at when we were competing or when I was competing, wool coats were a thing, right? So it's not, it it didn't take that long for us to do a full switch into all these technical materials. And for so long, it was very much like everyone needed to be in collared shirts to look put together and professional. And there's a time and a place for collared shirts for sure. But I do think times are changing. And I 
I love the idea that we can have a little bit more fun and a little bit more personality and and self-expression, I guess, through, Definitely. through our clothes while still feeling like we look put together, especially you as a trainer where you want to look professional and mm-hmm. and show up to the barn, you know, ready to go. No, definitely. I remember the days when it was like everyone and still I go to some places and you definitely see it, but like everyone's wearing black shirts, navy shirts, like so many neutral colors. Yeah. And definitely nowadays it seems like we're starting to get a little bit more color into the outfits. Like one of my clients has these Taylor Sportsman pants that are bright red and I look at her every (laughs) time and I'm like, you better hope that you don't mess up or anything because right now you are the center of everyone's attention. (laughs) You are the star of the show. Oh yeah, no one's going to miss you with those pants on. So so tell me a little bit about the process that you had to go through to create your brand. I know there are a lot of people out there that have these amazing ideas that they want to create equestrian clothing but don't quite know what all goes into it, especially I think at a brand at your level, since you have, like you said, you've got factories, you put out so much clothing. Like I know locally you go to Atlanta Saturday and I think you just maybe got picked up by like writing warehouse or something. Cause I've got a few clients that work there and the moment they were like, Oh my God, Hannah child is coming to writing warehouse. You have to buy. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So it's one thing to make, you know, little belts or small things to sell on platforms like Etsy or TikTok, since that seems to be a really big thing nowadays. But it's completely different to have your product in some big name companies. I would imagine that there's a lot of pressure to create not only fashionable options, like you said, but durable ones that last. So tell me a little bit about your process. Oh, there's so much that goes into it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I... (laughs) like, where should I start? Well, I told you a little bit about how I got into mm-hmm. into it. So in all honesty, when I started this brand, I had no clue what I was getting myself into. I've, I'm about five years in, okay. and I feel like I'm just starting to get my footing. <laughs> and this fall was a big, big season for us. Riding Warehouse picked up the brand. Smart Pack picked up the brand. Oh, wow. Caval picked up the brand. Um, we have amazing, amazing retail partners, and that's the majority of my business is is wholesale, mm-hmm. and that's I love it. I love connecting with the buyers and talking about how we can merchandise it in the store and hearing how it's being received by their customers. And so that's really sort of the juice of my of where my you know sales come from. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that goes into it, and so I, I'm mostly. I don't have any full-time employees. I have an amazing marketing intern who, if you've been following us on social media, she's been doing all of our reels and she's fabulous. And otherwise, I work directly with all of my partners. So I think if I was going to give someone some guidance, if someone had an idea they wanted to start, whether it's a clothing brand or just product, I guess we would say, Mm -hmm. is... So many people will will tell you to write a business plan, which is super important, but also I think really doing some internal reflection on why and what it is you're actually trying to do because I I didn't really do that at the beginning and so that's <laughs> I've been doing that as I go. And so it's an ongoing process, but really looking at okay, I have this great idea. Is it 
just something creative that I got to get out of my system and I just want to get it, get it made. And then that's it. Or am I really looking to create a sustainable long-term business? And then looking at all of the, the channels, I guess, if you will, that fall into it. Mm -hmm. So I look, I like to look at my business in different silos. And so I have product as one silo. I have sales and marketing as one silo, because how are you going to Oh yeah, <laughs> make a business if you don't know how to sell and market your product. I have development as a separate as a separate silo because I can have the designs and these ideas, and I can do all the drawings. But if I don't have supply chain, I guess supply chain would be a better word for it than development. But supply chain, how are you going to get from concept mm-hmm. to a product that has been developed? to a product that is ready for market and what are all of the processes that go into that and who do you need as your partner or partners to be able to execute that. So for me, that's started as a pattern maker. I need someone to grade my patterns. I need fabric suppliers. I need trim suppliers. I need all these different things before I even get to the factory. And so there's a lot of components that go into it. And I'm constantly evaluating, especially because I'm I'm mostly the one doing all those different silos. Is like, mm-hmm. okay, what hat am I wearing today? I'm wearing a designer hat. Oh, but today I'm wearing a marketing hat because my website needs to be updated, or uh, I need to schedule appointments with all my wholesale buyers, or we're getting ready for a trade show, so we need to look at displays. And so mm-hmm. it's really, I think what I see with a lot of creative people is there sometimes it's like, do you want to wear the hat of all the things that are required to be a business owner? Or are you really looking to do the creative only? And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But really evaluating what it is that you love and what activates you, what lights you up, and then following that. So if you are someone who wants to do all of that, then I think take action because if you wait until it's the perfect time or you have everything lined up, it's going to take forever. I've made so many mistakes. I've spent honestly so much money that probably could have been saved if I had Mm -hmm. the experience I have now, but I had to get the experience to land where I am now. And so I think start, that's, that's my, always my advice. Start, start small Mm -hmm. and grow as you go, figure it out as you go try to try to launch big enough to make an impact but not so big that you can't make a a pivot and you just keep pivoting and to me that's the that's the way we learn that's also what's fun about being an entrepreneur because nothing's the same every day and at the same time if you're someone who thinks okay I have this great idea for a product that all sounds terrible and I don't want to do that that's great too and Maybe you find a partner or someone who has more of the business mindset but doesn't have a desire to do the creative aspect. But I think really knowing knowing who you are and what it is that you love is is the way that it's gonna at least feel nourishing because there are some days where it's it's not easy. It's stressful. It's there's a lot oh, happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not just a walk in the park, even though 
that's what it, it sometimes, you know, from an outside perspective, I know it can often seem like. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I'm not quite certain if I would call what I'm doing, like with the podcasting and stuff, like a brand per se. But let me tell you, I can 100% like, I do all of the social media stuff, making the content, all that type stuff. And I'm a young professional, so I do have my own barn. So trying to balance it all, yeah. wow. <laughs> it can be yeah, it's a, a lot. lot. And so I definitely agree with you in the fact, like, you know, if you're starting out and you're just, you know, some people are super creative. Like, I can probably make a lot of content. That's what I enjoy doing. The marketing, editing type stuff, maybe not so much, but right now where I'm at, you know, that's kind of what I have to do. But definitely, if you've got some great product, there are people out there that love marketing and there's people who love the business. Exactly. I'm not super into it, but, you know, there's some people who I've met that are just so like, they have some amazing social media marketing stuff and it blows my mind what they think of. Like, I could never think of that. But there's so many different roles that I think people can fill. Sometimes you just have to give yourself time and to then find a perfect partnership, like you said. Yeah, and I think so much of it is, and I am fully part of this group of people that sometimes, you know, we're, we think we have to land somewhere to make, to be successful or for it to be worth something mm-hmm. or to, for it to be called a business or whatever the story is. And what part of my journey has been allowing the process of my business be just as fulfilling and exciting as getting to a certain place. Because I don't honestly, I couldn't tell you at this point, oh, well, if I got to this point, then I'd finally feel fulfilled and successful. Mm -hmm. And so I've I've noticed that as I've been going, it's like, oh, okay, well, I want to achieve this or I want to hit this goal. And it's like, Hmm. When I do, or if I don't, what are actually the responses in my body, mind, emotion, spirit? Like, what is what does that actually do for me? And it's actually doesn't serve me as much as I think it will. Mm-hmm. Versus, okay, showing up every day in service of creativity, in service of connection, in service of making product that makes women feel beautiful and expressive and comfortable and like they can go out and have a great ride or they can go out and have a great meeting or a great time with their friends and and so sometimes like this is also a beautiful reminder for me oh yeah why why am I doing what I'm doing because it's so easy to get caught up in the goals and the business part of the tracking definitely no like you said I can't tell you how many times I have this like goal in my mind and once I reach that goal because you've put in so much at that point you've put in so much time and all that type stuff and then once you actually hit it half the time it's not really that fulfilling like you just sit there and you're like okay well I finally hit this goal and I gotta make another thing and I gotta get back to work and do all this stuff so definitely taking time to just enjoy it is so important and something that I have had to learn (laughs) yeah and reflecting too like yes pausing I've been exploring a lot about what is because I'm by nature I'm I'd say I'm more like type A and mm-hmm. go getter and so I can just go 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 and I will burn myself out 
And once I get to one thing, one goal, I'm like, okay, to the next, to the next, to the next. And yep. part of what, you know, my practice for myself has been pausing, mm-hmm. taking space, especially after a big part of expansion, which is often a trade show. It feels like a big expansion or a big collection launch or, you know, something where I'm putting something out into the world and it's like, okay, hey, in some ways it feels like I'm here I am, even yes. though I'm, it's not me, it's it's my brand. It's it's like, okay, after that, pausing, taking taking a breath, sort of evaluating logically, but also internally, like, okay, how did how did that feel? Mm-hmm. What felt really good? What didn't? Did I just blow through it and I ended up on the other side and I don't even know where I am or what day it is? Or was I really present? Did I move more slowly? And then looking at at how I want to do things maybe a little bit differently the next time. And so I think having space to reflect instead of just going from one goal to the next is also what helps it feel more fulfilling and nourishing than just achieving things, which often don't quite quite do it. Mm-hmm. No, I actually, I'm a huge, I'm the same way. I'm like a go-getter. Like <laughs> I made... One thing, like I originally made a blog because my horse got a keratoma, which is a tumor that was pressing down on his coffin joint. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have all this time. I'm going to make a blog. And it was like, oh, I made the blog. Now I'm going to make a podcast. And then I yeah. made a podcast. And I'm now going to make this. So I'm the same way. Like I, I have that total mentality too. But the other day I found, because like you said, you know, I think the days, there are some good days for sure. But anytime you're running a business, I think – there are as many bad days as there are good days. So for me, I found that listening to like a lot of motivational stuff helps me a lot. Mm. And I typically like if I'm cleaning cells at the barn, I'm listening to something like motivational, like, okay, yeah, I want to get in the mood. Like, you know, if I'm having a rough day, I listen to that and I feel better. But the other day, I was listening to one of them that was talking about people setting you know, goals and everything. And we get so obsessed with this goal or the thing that we've got to accomplish. And, you know, it's like, say you wanted a beach house and like you have the picture of the beach house and that's the only thing you think of. And you think about the beach house, like how can I get there? But then you never stop to sit back and think about the journey that it takes to get there Mm -hmm. or the things that you're going to experience. Like every day is not great. (laughs) You know, there's going to be days where you have to work harder than others. But sitting back, reflecting on that journey and realizing that that's almost more fulfilling than it is reaching the goal, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think also not just even reflecting, but also for me, it's moving more slowly like as mm-hmm. i'm as i'm maturing in my self development my self connection my self expression i i feel like my essential pace of how i move through world is much how i move through the world is much slower than it has been mm-hmm. my whole life and this feels it feels so much more true and so much more aligned and really moving more slowly and more intentionally and being more present with what I'm doing and how I'm being and with my emotions that come up. So on those days where you're just like, oh, yeah, not again, or I can't, this is just too much. It's like, oh, okay, well, this is an opportunity for me to really play with mm-hmm. these different emotions that that bring up frustration and anger and fear and scarcity and the things that come up 
in business that are not as fun versus woohoo, I made a sale or, <laughs> oh, wow, I launched this thing and it looks so beautiful. It's like, those are the, obviously the really fun, exciting, big expressive emotions, but it's also just as much the other side. And so for me, moving slowly is really important. So I don't either become super reactive, which is really easy to do, mm-hmm. or I don't steamroll over my emotions just in service of getting to the goal. It's like, ah, we'll deal with that later. Just got to keep going. It's like, no, actually, this is really important. And something's calling for attention. And so it's, it's really, how can I move more slowly and more intentionally and be here fully landed in my body for all the different steps of being in business. Because Mm -hmm. if I just get to the end of my life and I'm like, cool, I accomplished these things, but I wasn't there really for, for all of it. What is that? What's the point of that? I think it's really easy for us to all get so obsessed almost with like the future and everything Mm -hmm. that we want to happen that it's really hard to be present in our own body Mm -hmm. (laughs) during the present time and we miss so much. It's so funny you said that because November of last year, I opened my barn and everything. I moved to a new location and I had this outlandish idea that my whole life was going to be like figured out within a year. (laughs) I've never been in that position. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm going to have all these sales horses. Like, it's going to be great. I'm going to be making so much money. All this type of stuff, which does not <laughs> happen at all. So, but it's so funny because like, that's how I was a year ago. And I kid you not, last night, it was before I went to bed and I get this random creativity, like at nine o'clock or something. And I was writing a blog post and literally about the blog post, it was all about going slower like mm. <laughs> taking a step you're vibing on each other <laughs> yeah. but I found that so funny I was like this is totally not that's totally not me but it's just how I've grown and how I realized that I mean you do need to be present it's so easy to get caught up in so much other stuff and then like you said by the time you reach it and then you look back and you're like oh well okay what did I really get from it yeah I saw this funny meme the other day that what was it? It said, I don't want a girl boss anymore. I want to girl rest. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's me. <laughs> oh, I feel that. <laughs> I like, I, I laugh because it's, you know, it's partly a joke, but it's also, you know, it's also kind of true. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I actually don't feel nourished going so fast and mm-hmm. so at it all the time. But that actually doesn't mean I can't accomplish as much, if not more. Because I'm actually doing things intentionally and with a purpose and with focus instead of trying to do 20 things at once. I think multitasking is the biggest lie on the planet. (laughs) No, definitely. I have been – because, like, I've been trying to do so much content between the blog, podcast, and then now having, like, a YouTube channel. And then it is so different. Oh, yeah, you're busy. Nowadays, it's like you have to be on almost every social media platform. <laughs> so oh. you've got Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, TikTok is such a massive thing nowadays. But it's funny because, you know, when I take time and I give myself opportunities to actually rest, I feel like if I go into the day and I'm like, okay, this is – this is what I want to accomplish for the day. Nothing too crazy. I tend to get more done versus if I 
get off track and I try and do 50,000 things in the day, mm-hmm. and then I'm so exhausted. I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I can't yeah. do this. There's too much going in my head, too much going on. <laughs> 100%. So uh, we've just had this great discussion, <laughs> all of that. But to ask you about your clothes again, <laughs> so the moment your latest collection was released, I kid you not, my tax shop called me up and they literally were like, okay, Carrie, you're the first person we've called. We finally got the Hannah Child stuff in. You have got to come over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so excited to see that you are now offering show shirts. And I was also so excited to see that I have another shirt to add to my black and white checkerboard pattern. Thing. Oh, yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw there's a show shirt. So I was like, I have to get it. So that now I have five shirts that have that pattern. I love it. That's the Lexi. That's our okay. new, uh, I call it sort of a crossover shirt because mm-hmm. it's the only one we have that works for showing, but I think it can also work great for schooling. Oh, yeah. But yeah, sort of sort of dabbling, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. No, that's – well, that's the thing I've got to say that I just love about, like, your clothing in particular is like we've talked about earlier is the fact that literally I am not a fashionable person by <laughs> any means. <laughs> I am one of those pers- people that like literally wear two mat or two different socks. I pretty much will be wearing like neon teal pants and some orange shirt. Like there's not much fashionable things about me. <laughs> but I have never been a huge like clothing person until I found your brand and then I just fell like completely in love with it. But if I've got to go out somewhere like I was just recently visiting grandparents up in South Carolina, which is not something I get to do too often now with having a business and everything, I always wear a Hannah Child shirt and they always ask me like, what brand is this? (laughs) And I tell them like, you know what? You probably have not heard of it, but, (laughs) and so I, I love it. I really do. But I wanted to ask you because when I was there looking at show shirts, I also saw that you guys make, I guess, I saw that they're considered leggings, but they're kind of more breeches too mm-hmm. because you can ride in them. So why did you decide to expand towards catering with the show shirts and having the leggings? Well, I started when I started the brand, it was more lifestyle. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the name of the brand, Hannah Child's Lifestyle. And that was that was the intention. And of course, as you go in business and you have a product and market changes, consumers change, you learn what what you know, works, what doesn't work. I really felt like it was time to add bottoms to the, you know, we had just shirts and sweaters and something like, okay, it's time to add bottoms. There's a zillion and one britches. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the market. And so again, going back to sort of some of the ethos of, of the design principles I have, it's like, okay, comfort, wearability from riding into everyday life. And so I designed these pull-on breeches that are, I wouldn't quite call them a tight because the material is a little bit uh, heavier. Mm -hmm. And so they have a little bit more structure than a regular riding tight, but they're pull-on and we have a couple styles. So one of them is a high waist, so it's going to fit more like a legging. And then the other one is a mid-rise with belt loops. So when you wear it, it does really look like a bridge. Okay. And they all have pockets. So you get kind of a a combo of your favorite leggings mixed with riding breeches. 
They are very affordably priced, in my opinion, for everything that they offer. Yeah, I think they're a nice, nice price point. We have some others coming out in January that, again, are a great price point. They're going to be more of a high rise, full on riding breach. And the material is amazing. Again, nice pocket for storage and all the things that you want, but Mm -hmm. they just look great. If you want to pair them, like my favorite outfit right now is to wear those breeches from the barn and then to throw on one of our ponchos or our boyfriend sweaters over the shirt I'm wearing and throw it on with sneakers or boots and carry on for the rest of the day. No, it's so funny. I am not a sweater person at all, but... Oh, I love sweaters. I live in them. Oh, I've come to... Well, the hard thing is I live in the South, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> a vast majority of the year, like even now, it's November, what, 3rd or whatever, and it's 70 degrees outside. <laughs> so, but I have truly come to love and adore your... I don't know. I'm not certain what the name is, but they are almost like, oh, they're not collared. I'm trying to think what my brain is totally blanking on what they're called. But, you know, the sweaters with the high neck. (laughs) Does it have a zipper? No, it doesn't. It's one of the pull on sweaters. I cannot think it's the heavier material. And the ones I have is there's a red and white one and there's a black and white one. Oh, oh, turtleneck. They're more turtleneck. There you go. Oh, yeah. Is it like? Is it the Paloma cropped? Yes. One? Yeah. I love oh, that I one. Love it's that. a mock neck. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it has a little bit of a drop shoulder and then sort of cropped and boxy. So it's super cute with it's, – it's not a traditional riding shaped sweater. You know, normally no. a V-neck or a crew neck fitted sweater is kind of what you think of when you think of equestrian sweaters. But I think this looks so cute with britches. But then also throw it on with jeans. You can throw it on. I actually wear it over. um, I have a lot of just for the summer, like silk spaghetti strop maxi or midi dresses. Mm -hmm. And I throw one of those on and if it's chilly and it's like, it looks so cute because it's kind of cropped. So you get a nice layer without having to wear a jacket or a cardigan or something. Yes. Oh, no. I quite frankly live in mine during the winter time (laughs) like I will wear or I'll wash them after every day I ride on them whatever but they are so warm too and just so comfortable I adore that top like Mm. oh my gosh I could frame them and be like this is the perfect outfit or the perfect shirt I have found (laughs) so I have a few Quick questions. They don't have to be quick. I say this every time. (laughs) They don't have to be quick. But I wanted to ask you, are there any memories that particularly stand out to you during your whole process? Like you said, you've got some great memories when you were younger with your mom. And now currently, is there anything that really stand out to you that you think maybe has influenced you? Hmm. In any particular influenced me in any particular way or in regards to starting the business or I would say probably let's think more towards business probably like is there anything a particular that happened and you kind of pushed you along to end up on this fun little journey that you're on called life <laughs> yeah I so after I saw Project Runway one of my mom's clients 
she had been she had been asking, oh, how's Hannah? And my mom said, oh, she decided she wants to do fashion design. And this particular client was a jewelry designer. Okay. And she also had a handbag line. So I was 16 and she said, oh, she should come work for me and be my design assistant. And so she hired me to come. I think I was there, you know, I'd go up after high school. I, mm-hmm. I'd get out of school at noon or something. And then I'd go work two or three days a week. And the brand is called Waxing Poetic. It's a beautiful, very well-known jewelry brand at this point. But that was when I was 16. And so I got to go for, I worked for her for a few years and I got to do everything from, oh, I did order packing. I did warehouse sales. I got to go to the big trade show in New York. I got to help with material organization and, and selection and seeing her whole process really as an entrepreneur, not just as a designer. But seeing how she ran from concept into getting product made and then what to do after you have product made because mm-hmm. she started as a wholesale business. So she it was like, okay, then we go to trade shows. How do we store the products? How do we fulfill orders? How do we ship the orders? How mm-hmm. do we deal with customer, whether customer have issues? The whole process, I got to be part of all of that for a few years And I think that was a huge part of maybe my confidence when I started this brand or maybe it wasn't even confidence, but it was a lack of fear. I was sort of fearless when I started this. It was like, well, okay, like just try it. What's there was just no question. And I think uh, that was a huge part of it is that I got to, I got to see up close and have my hands in a small business and all these different aspects, which is so much of what I do now. It's, it's kind of second nature. And so when I started my brand, it was ingrained in this, these are the different steps. And of course, I modify and formulate things as I go that with what works for my business. But that was a huge, huge part of, I think, the, the fearlessness when I started my brand. So would you say that they were probably also maybe one of your biggest mentors along the way? Or did you have maybe somebody else in your life that kind of helped you throughout this whole process? She was a big mentor. The woman who I met who had the Street to Stable blog mentored me for a couple of years when I was just getting started. And so I've had I've had some really amazing, whether they were actual mentors or just, you know, those people that come in your life that are like, let's do this. I've definitely been blessed with with having that kind of come to me organically and not necessarily having to seek that out. I think it's so important to have people with you on this journey that are also just as, I don't know if I would say excited, but willing to help you out because it's hard to get into things. And if you have a great mentor, I really do believe it can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And I'm definitely by nature, and maybe this is common for other people who ride horses. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts but I'm an individualist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I would not say by nature, I'm a team player. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm very supportive of other people. And I love helping other people achieve their goals. But when I get in a team environment, uh, I don't exactly know how to place myself yep. <laughs> in some ways. So I've been, I've had to learn how to do that, whether it's, you know, hiring people to work with me or whether I step into a different project and I'm joining a team. But that was not a skill that I developed as a child. And I think that's because I rode horses. It was just about me and my mm-hmm. horse. I wasn't on a team sport where you have to 
you just have to learn that. Otherwise you can't play. (laughs) Um, And so I'm by nature, it's very easy for me just to be like, I can do it all. I'll just do it all myself. I don't, it's fine. I can just handle it. And then the magic that happens when, when you allow someone else in to come, whether they're collaborating or they're just giving reflections or they're going to go out and sell your product. There's so many ways that, that the teamwork can come into fruition. That isn't a a standard team environment, Mm -hmm. but that's definitely been a learning for me because that's not my, my nature (laughs) is to, I have no problem asking for help, but I, I think there's definitely also like as a, as a designer, as a business person, the ego needs to be checked every once Mm -hmm. in a while because like for so long, I I was like, I'm going to design everything I do. If I don't design the prints, then it's not actually my brand. And when I got out of that mindset and I, I found this incredibly talented graphic or she's an artist really. And we started working together maybe three years ago, two years ago, and she hand paints and hand sketches all of my prints. It's like, okay, that's not my skill. That's not my strength. Mm -hmm. So also knowing where, where are my strengths? What is it that I love? And then where are the areas that I have room and letting other people fill that because it's so much juicier. It's so much richer to have that kind of energy and that kind of talent and love coming in to the spaces where I don't, I don't have the full capacity to fill it. Definitely. No, that's funny that you said about the individual stuff, because I'm the exact same way. I'm, I'm a team player. Like if I need to be, we should take a poll. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm all for team playing. I groomed for a very long time. Like you got to learn to be a team player if you're grooming for Barnes and everything. But at the same time, maybe a couple nights ago, I was talking to someone and they were asking me a question or something. And I was like, you know, I don't like I can go out and do what I need to do. And I don't necessarily need to go and talk to everyone I see. Like I'm content going out by myself, doing the things that I need to do and then turning around and leaving. Like 100%. (laughs) That's totally fine with me. (laughs) So that's funny that you said that. (laughs) So where do you see your brand going in a few years? Do you plan to keep transforming it or kind of maintaining it where it currently is? Well, I'm definitely not the kind of person that just stays where I am. I'm a, <laughs> I am feel like I go through the caterpillar butterfly cycle every day. <laughs> so it's definitely going to transform. But I think, I think maintaining the richness of the intention, which was mm-hmm. having a brand that can take you from the barn into your everyday life, feeling beautiful, feeling comfortable, feeling confident, and really allowing clothes that that are not the, it's like the cherry on top of your self-expression. It's not the thing that is the main, it's not the main ingredient, but it's something that because you feel so comfortable, they, you feel so much like yourself that you're able to shine and move through the world in the most aligned and mm-hmm authentic and expressive way possible and so the product will definitely evolve we have I'm wrapping up all of the samples for fall 23 next year so there's some new new types of things coming and kind of doing some resets on some different styles and 
and looking at how we use color and prints to express because I think that's so much of what we've become known for Mm -hmm. is not just having like you said the black and the navy of course you need those because they're core colors (laughs) but how do what's the point of view that that Hannah Child's lifestyle wants to represent when it comes to clothes and prints and materials so so yeah you'll see a transformation but with the the foundation is is strong I bet I'll be getting like a phone call yeah. <laughs> when the news. I'll be like, oh, yes. Well, you see, in November of 2022, I heard that there'd be something new for 2023. So I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the waiting list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have, and we have new stuff coming out that comes out every six months or so. So we have two collections a year. So there's some great new styles coming out in January. Quite a few new styles, actually, as well as colors and prints of of existing styles and then a lot of new stuff coming for fall oh I can't wait like (laughs) I'm literally when I go into my tax shop they write up a card they told me that the last meeting that they had with you they literally had a sticky note next to their screen that had my sizes on it so they made (laughs) sure to buy them (laughs) that's hysterical if you could give advice to somebody starting out who wants to create an equestrian brand or just run a successful business like you have been able to, what would you say? Mm, I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think the main thing is to spend the time reflecting internally to notice what types of things feel like a big yes and follow that Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to have an idea. And I notice this with myself too. I'm like, I got an idea. I got to do it. Let's go. And then when I sort of pause, I'm like, yeah, actually that doesn't, when I, when I look at all the things that go into it, maybe that's actually not aligned for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the main thing is, is this is, if you're going to have a business, unless you plan to just stop one day or you plan to exit, with some sort of strategy, you're going to be doing it, you know, day in and day out for a, for a while. And so why not from the beginning set the intention of having it be the most fun and nurturing or not nurturing, but nourishing creative environment that it can be. And to me, that act, that really comes from doing things that we love. Mm-hmm, definitely. So for me, I love designing. I love connecting with people. I love, I've learned to love, I guess, you know, financial <laughs> planning and strategy. And there's there are other elements that I don't love as much and I'm learning how to outsource that. And so I think really getting clear on what is it that that you love and what is it about that thing that you love so that you can have the awareness to choose more of that and then be courageous enough to step away from the things that are, are not that. And that doesn't always, it's not always that clear at the beginning. And so not rushing, but also not waiting so long to start that you feel paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, you have said some amazing things that as somebody who is an entrepreneur and somebody who is Starting out a business, being fairly young, (laughs) I will definitely take them to heart and really focus on them too because I think they are so important. So I have one last question. If somebody wanted to 
find you on social media or check out maybe a website or something, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Hannah Child's Lifestyle. And then the website is hannahchildslifestyle.com. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. I literally barely slept last night because I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot mess up this podcast. Oh, there's no way you could mess it up. Because I was, you know, it's one of those things, maybe since you had a podcast before and everything, when you're starting out, you're like, okay, well, I want to see who I can get on the podcast and talk to. And so I saw, I was like, you know, I love this brand and everything. I'm going to contact her and see if maybe she'd come on the podcast. And I was like, you know, she's probably not going to answer. And when I got the answer and everything on Instagram, I was like, oh my gosh, I literally was in my barn and started crying. I was like, these are happy tears, trust me. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because I, in no way, shape or form do I feel like, oh, I'm so successful. Like I don't have time Mm -hmm. for these kinds of things. But I know that, that when you launch something new, that, that can be the perception like when I had my podcast, I'm like, oh, this person's never going to respond mm-hmm. to me because I'm too small or I too whatever my story was about it. And for me, I'm like, okay, regardless of where I am in my career, I don't ever think that I'm beyond having a beautiful conversation with somebody and connecting with somebody, especially when they're this excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, I've heard about you from the saddlery. They told me we have you, your biggest fan is a customer at our store. So it's kind of, it's amazing and full circle that ultimately you ended up reaching out because I'm like, I know about you. <laughs> I've heard about you before. <laughs> I have a reputation. What can I say? <laughs> a very good one. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It means more than you could ever know oh it was such a pleasure and a joy to be here with you and um, excited to hear about all the different things you have happening and you know if anything ever comes up and you want to bounce some ideas or you know I'm no expert but (laughs) always happy to connect and and be in touch um, as you progress along your journey thank you I appreciate that so much A huge thank you again to Hannah for taking time out of her very busy schedule to come on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation just as much as I enjoyed recording it. I had so much fun being able to sit down with Hannah and just talk with her for basically an hour and a half, maybe even a little bit longer. So if you guys enjoyed this podcast episode, make certain to follow, leave a rating and review if you can on whatever provider you're listening on. It does so much for the podcast and the more people that are listening and all that fun stuff, the more people I can get on the podcast and I have some really fun plans for the future of this. If you ever happen to have any guests that you might want to see on the podcast, make certain to find us on social media. You can find The Traveling Pony on Instagram and Facebook, Carrington Ridge Stables under the TikTok, and as well, we have a YouTube channel under The Traveling Pony. You can always contact us there or at thetravelingpony11 at gmail.com to let us know your thoughts, as well as to let us know if there are any guests you would like to see. So... Without further ado, I'll ask you the last question that everyone has. Where will the traveling pony be next?